Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I've got John Shaw with me. John Shaw, as many listeners will know, is the General Secretary on the Committee of Home Missions and Church Extension. Uh, At the time of this recording, and certainly by the time you all hear this, John will be a lame duck General Secretary for Home Missions. He is on his way out. John, how long, how many, are we at about 10 years? How long have you been doing this? Yeah, it's a little bit over 10 years. I started in March of 2013. When you came on board as general secretary for newer people to the OPC and for newer listeners, the previous man in your position was Ross Graham and the previous associate general secretary that Al Tricarico now holds was Dick Gerber. Those of us that have been around a while, I was church planting during the time that Ross and Dick were chairing the Home Missions Committee, So, I'm, and, and Dick Gerber was in my presbytery. So those of us that have been around have an affinity for kind of how they worked with Home Missions as well. And you were on the committee mm-hmm. prior to becoming General Secretary. I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on how Ross Graham and Dick Gerber's time chairing Home Missions and working with the committee sort of fed into hmm. your time little bit of kind of how God's timing worked to, to bring that about, especially with you on the committee, knowing Ross and Dick's manner of doing things, different focus and things like that. I know it's 10 years ago, so I'm, I'm testing, you know, your memory a bit, but I wonder if you could just reflect on that a little bit and how God has worked in this kind of continuity of home missions from them to you and Dick Gerber, then to you and Al Tricarico, as we think about now, uh, you heading out and a new man coming in. Yeah. So, you know, just as quick timeline review, Ross was, Ross Graham was general secretary for over 20 years. He started around 1990. And Ross providentially was brought at just the time where his gift set was exactly what the church needed. There had been some disruption and church planting was kind of on a low ebb in the OPC in certain ways because of that disruption. And Ross has so many gifts, but a couple of his gifts are, he's he's one of the best administrators I've ever seen, which is a spiritual gift, and he has it in spades. And he was able to bring people together. So he came into a church that was arguing a bit about what church planting should be, and he was able to bring people together to a, a common purpose in church planting. And I, I think it was one of his greatest gifts that he brought to the denomination. You add to that that it was a particular time, not just of realignment in the OPC, but in other Reformed churches. And so a lot of our church planting at that point was groups coming from other places. So they'd been in Reformed churches. Their Reformed church had left behind some key biblical doctrines and they were looking for a new home. And so a lot of our church planning was like that in the 90s, early 2000s, and, and a significant time of growth in the OPC. 
And again, Ross was so good at that. And what Ross was able to do then was systematize. So the, the, our manual, Planting an Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Ross thought hours and hours about that, wrote it, rewrote it, and second edition of it, and all those things. And we still use those, and they're really helpful. So I think just administration, systematizing, th- those kind of things were areas where Ross was extremely gifted and served the church well. And then you mix that with Dick, who has this just beautiful, gentle, pastoral uh, demeanor where he loved the church planners and cared for them in pastoral ways in their mission works. And you mix that together and they were a dynamic team. So with that kind of established, this the system of church planning, a pastoral care for church planners, and a time of growth of groups coming in who wanted something solid. And that's what they had in the OPC. It was exactly what was needed. And what it meant was a guy like me could be called who has some administrative gifts, but not on the level of Ross, not even close. But a lot of that infrastructure was in place. So then to build on that with some uh, vision for intentional church planting. So one of the things we did right away is say, okay, we need an application process and a planning process so that when we approve church plants, we know whether it's strong enough to go. That was something that I could dig my teeth into knowing that we had some other foundational administrative things in place. And and then to to come in and really try to think about how we take our our Presbyterian commitments as church planters and wed it to an evangelistic energy. It, you know, I could build on something that was already there. And then in the Lord's providence, he brought uh, Altra Carica to serve with me when Dick retired, who in some ways is very much like Dick, just, gentle, loving pastor pastor who's shepherding church planners, you know, in a in an intentional way. Like it just kind of wed these different gifts to build on each other and to support each other. And and I'll just say this. Ross and Dick have been so constantly supportive. I get I, I got from Dick without saying too much because it was a personal note, but at my 10 year anniversary back in March I got an email from Dick and said, hey, I was praying for you today and just realized it's 10 years since you started. And then this kind of email to encourage me in a variety of ways. And Ross and Dick, are that's just kind of who they are. They've been so in- encouraging to me. I can call them up when I have a question and they're helpful. So I do feel like we've just been building on what's already there. I'm excited to see how that works as the Lord calls somebody else to follow me and what unique gifts they bring to the, to the table. But I feel like I was building on a solid foundation. I'll just say this. If I had to write a hundred page manual on church planning, I probably would have looked for another call because <laughs> that's just not in my wheelhouse. And so to be able to build on that when it's already in place was a big help to me. And we still use it. It's a useful manual, really helpful, but it lets me focus where my, my gifts are. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Um, we've been talking about your title, General Secretary of Home Missions. We've referenced, I've referenced the committee. I intentionally didn't lead with this question, but I think it, I think it's worth taking a minute to talk about. And we'll see how good you are at presenting it in a lively, engaging fashion. What does a General Secretary of Home Missions do? And what does this committee do? The Committee on Home Missions and Church Extension. What is your life? Let's, let's start with you. What did your life look like over the last 10 years in terms of what 
OPC members sitting in the pew every week who know your name and maybe saw you once or twice or, or whatever, but they don't, they don't have a good grasp of what you're actually spending your time doing and, and what happens. What does it look like? Yeah. So, um, you, you know, Brad, you know me well enough to know how much I love sports. So I often think about it in um, kind of the language of a, of, an ath- of a coach of an athletic team. So I have a few few particular areas of focus. One is motivational. So I, I see one of my tasks is as I travel, as I train church planners, as I speak to churches to try to get them to encourage them to be engaged in missions. One of my goals is to give them a big picture of what the Lord's doing. So if I can... If I can just remind people of the big promises that God's made and the fact that he's a God who always keeps his promises, and therefore, in light of his his promises about the harvest, then we should feel freed up to pursue labor in the harvest field. Like that's a bit, I feel like that's a big piece of my calling is just keep holding those things in front of people. Because, you know, in a church plant, probably uniquely so, you can feel the weight of loss and discouragement in a significant way. So I just say it in this way, and it's not to suggest that church planting is harder than than pastoring an established church. But when a church has 200 people and two or three families leave, you feel it, but you feel it a little bit. When you're church planter with 60 people and two or three families leave, that's enough to like put you in bed for a week as you wonder, is this place going to survive? And and so part of my job is just kind of motivational, aspirational, hold before people uh, the glories of what God does through his church for the sake of the gospel. And I love doing that. I, I you know, I find great joy because it helps me also to be reminded of what the Lord's doing. So there's a motivational aspect. There's a big picture aspect. So you know, if you think about a football team in particular, you have the head coach and then you have all these coordinators and position coaches, the best head coaches. So like a Nick Saban or somebody like that is one he has, you know, he was a defensive coach. So he especially understands defense, but his job now as a head coach is to help create a big picture place where all of his uh, assistant coaches can thrive and the players benefit from that. And so I do have a big picture kind of aspect to my work where I'm trying to help support 17 presbyteries as they plan for church planting. So uh, Al and I are regularly reminding ourselves, our committee, and as we speak to the church, reminding the church that our committee doesn't plant churches. We support presbyteries in planting churches. So I do have kind of this big picture role to play, which then involves both vision casting and strategic planning. So a part of my work is to work with home missions committees as they're trying to figure out where should we be focusing our energy and how can we focus it? So we have regular meetings with Presbyterian home missions committees. We have an annual meeting where we bring them all together to talk about the work that we're doing collectively and regional home missionaries in many of our Presbyterians that we're in regular contact with as they're trying to think through is this field ripe for harvest or should we focus our energy in a different field? And then the last thing that I'll mention is just then dealing with the individual church planters and their wives and even their families. 
my greatest joys in this job have been visits with church planters, all uniquely gifted, and the Lord uses them in different ways. And to be able to sit with them and hear what the Lord's doing and how they're processing it, to be able to to weep with them when things are hard, rejoice with them when things are really going going well, pray with them, pray for them, get to know their wives and be able to have meals with them and pray with them together as a couple, get to know their kids. Yeah. Some of my greatest memories are those visits. And I've I've gained uh really precious friendships with some of those those brothers through it. Uh church planner training each year, you know, which now this is one of the changes we've made in the last 10 years is br- bringing the wives every year to church planner training. I I leave there so encouraged at what the Lord's doing and challenged by folks that have unique gifts. So yeah, I w- actually when I was going to jump in there, I was going to mention building off that that one of the things you and the committee and Al were able to implement is bringing the wives. And I haven't been at the last few church planner conferences, but I was at about, I don't know, seven in a row or something like that, helping with videos and things like that. And you probably know this, but I certainly know it in the background that when you guys started bringing the wives to the conference, it was so clear that it was a highlight for church planters and their wives to meet other church planters and their wives to sit and talk in the evening, totally different dynamic than when just the guys were there to really talk about what it means to enter into that. And I haven't talked to them recently, but at the time there were people that were checking in multiple times a year with some of those families that they connected with, with, you know, difficulties, like real, not just, Hey, how are you? Good to, you know, like checking in, Hey, we, we're struggling with this. What, what have you found? And so I think for our listeners and for people who may be new to the OPC, it's good to highlight uh, mm-hmm. that dynamic as a tangible expression of what it means to love church planters as leaders and a committee. Uh, so I think that's, that's a good thing to, uh, to note there. So, John, what does the we've talked about this committee, I suspect even less than knowing about what you do and what Al does. Who's on this committee that we refer to? Like not not names, but like what what types of men are on this committee and how do you guys do your work? When do you meet and how does all that happen? So the committee's made up of nine pastors and six elders. Uh, they're elected by the General Assembly. They serve three-year terms. So there's five guys elected each year. And they're from kind of all over, you know, various presbyteries. Some of them have had deep involvement in church planting. Some of them used to be church planters. Some of them have been elders who served on home missions committees in their presbytery or served as elders in church plants. They all have different experiences and, and obviously our presbyteries don't all do church planting the same way. So they have different, you know, different uh, perspectives. Uh, we meet four times a year, I guess three times as a full committee. And then one time as an executive committee, which is five of the guys who are elected by the committee to serve in that way. So we meet once a quarter. We meet for a couple purposes. We review what's happening in the church plants. One of our highlights in our meetings every September, we spend a good hour to an hour and a half in prayer for each church plant. We we provide updates and we hand out to each guy prays for maybe like three church plants. And then they pray for a regional home missionary. And we have a season of prayer together. 
So they, they want to be engaged and get to know the church planners and, you know, even from a distance and understand their work. Uh, they also review new church plant requests. So we do have an application process and each church plant fills out a document that's 10 to 15 pages long that explains what they have done, what they hope to do, what's their community like. And so our, our committee reviews those every year before we approve. We have one subcommittee that interviews church planters before they get started. And then it's probably helpful to know, like, how does all this get paid for? Uh, local churches give money to what we call worldwide outreach. It supports three committees, including ours. And so the financial support that we provide to church plants is our funds that were given by, you know, the 330 or so OP churches and mission works. So we, you know, I, I guess two things to think about. We see ourselves as a supporting arm. So we don't plant churches. We don't look at a map and say, we need a church here and we're going to figure out how to plant it. We go to press trees and say, how can we help you plant in the area where you are? What are you looking at? And, and we help them find church planters. We visit seminaries and get to know different pastors and prospective pastors. So in all the ways that we can support the work of the presbytery in planting a church plant and the work of the church planter once the church plant begins, we provide support in all sorts of different ways uh, like that. And the second thing is we're stewards. So there's there's money given by the local churches, and it's not our money. It's the Lord's money that he's given through his church. And so we try to be wise stewards of that money. And it's why we want to do a review before we provide financial support to a church plant. We want to make sure that there's good reason to hope for success and growth in this church plant before uh, before we send money from the denomination to support it. And so we're, like I said, supporting ARM and, and we're a stewarding committee of the resources of the church. So then, John, this is this the committee is really I mean, I know what your answer is to this, but just to just to pull it out, this is an expression of one of the blessings of Presbyterianism. I mean, the things that you mentioned when you talk about the amount of time and effort to review a 10 to 15 page document to help Presbyterians think about uh, church planting, you know, like there's a lot of work going on from experienced people that is really, you, you could think of the committee as, you know, people might tend to think of committees as, you know, kind of dry, not really where the spiritual work is going on. There's a lot of the admin, but actually what you're describing is a committee with a spiritual responsibility. It has administrative responsibilities, but it also has spiritual responsibilities in the church planting that ends up being a blessing to guys that otherwise would be kind of lone ranger, maybe hoping to find a a friend that can, you know, help them think through things. Is that how you see it? Yeah, it's interesting. There have been several points where I thought, oh, I should talk about Presbyterianism now, and I haven't done it. I, I do think one of, one of the things I love about the about the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and how we do missions is that we see missions as the work of the whole church. So when we send uh, a missionary to, let's say, Uganda, it's the whole church, every congregation sending that missionary to do their work, and we're all providing financial support and prayer support and involved in the spiritual fight, good fight of faith that they're, that they're doing in the place where they serve. It's the same thing for our church planters. So when I go visit a church and I give them a map that has maybe 40 faces of church planters and regional home missionaries on it, one of the things I, I try to remember to say every time is 
If you've been praying the prayer of Matthew 9, you know, pray for laborers to go out into the fields. If you've been praying for the Lord to send out laborers, here are tangible answers to those prayers. And then let's pray for them. Let's keep praying for them. So when I was a church planner in uh, St. Paul, I've told this story a lot, but it's a, it's a significant one for me. When I was a church planner in St. Paul, Minnesota at Mission OPC, I was on vacation with my family visiting an Orthodox Presbyterian church, uh, meeting people after the service. They didn't know I was a pastor. They just knew my name was John. And one guy in particular was convinced that we'd met before. And um, I knew we hadn't. I wasn't sure what was going on. We moved on to another conversation. He came over to me later and said, I know why you look familiar. You're John Shaw. You're the church planter at Mission OPC in St. Paul, Minnesota. Our church prayed for you last week. And, you know, I grew up in the OPC. I knew that our churches prayed for our church planters, but that that was this tangible expression of something I intellectually knew, but I needed to experience it. And I left, I was like on cloud nine when I left that church that day. It reminded me that, that churches throughout the OPC were praying for us in St. Paul, Minnesota. That's what we're trying to capture in foreign missions and home missions with our interns. These are your foreign missionaries, your home, home missionaries, your interns. And so when we pray for them, we're praying for the work of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church of which we are all a part. That's a big deal. Uh, and I tend to tell churches, again, I, I mean to say this every time. I don't always remember to say it, but I, I, my intention is to tell churches that as thankful as we are for your financial gifts, and we are thankful for them, the most important thing you can do for missions in the OPC is to pray that the Lord is actively working through the prayers of his church to accomplish his mission of taking the gospel to the nations. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's great. John, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate hearing these stories. I think people will really be blessed. Uh, just on behalf of, uh, you know, I've kind of watched you serve as general secretary and on behalf of people who, you know, are listening to this and have seen your ministry, we just thank you for giving your time and energy for the, the cost that your family felt with you traveling however many days a year to do this. And we just uh, hope the Lord blesses whatever the next chapter for you and Ann and the kids are. And uh, maybe we'll get to talk to you again soon in a couple of years as a local pastor or church planter and, and see what stories you're telling. So thanks for your time and your uh, service. Over thanks, 10 Brad. Years. I, I just want to say this. I want to thank, you know, folks that are listening, who've prayed for the ministry of home missions. Thanks so much for, prayers and good wishes that I get from so many folks and just encourage you in this way. Keep praying and keep telling people about Jesus. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources and you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.